You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, let's kick it off on a Flames game day. Welcome inside the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios. It's another edition of Sportsnet today. You're on Sportsnet 960, the fan. For our friends at Doug Lacey's Basement Systems, Crack Foundation, Boeing Foundation Walls. We have a simple permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems. They're all things basement-y. Visit them at dlbasementsystems.com. Com. Yes, the Calgary Flames back in action tonight, visiting the Washington Capitals. Game two of five on this Eastern road trip for the Flames. They dropped the opener Saturday night, 5-2 to the Pittsburgh Penguins, and will look to rebound against some familiar faces on the bench and on the ice against the Washington Capitals. We'll dive right into a look at the Washington Capitals in just moments. Tom Galetti from NHL.com, who covers the Washington Capitals, will join us. They'll talk about what's going on with the Caps under new head coach Spencer Carberry, as well as some of those Calgary-Washington connections. Matt Phillips, Kirk Muller, Mitch Love, all now a part of the Washington Capitals organization. So we'll get an in-depth look at Washington coming up in just moments. And it's a Monday which means we will look back on the Sunday slate of NFL games with our pal Emily Sadler from Sportsnet.ca is going to join us during this hour. But yes, the Calgary Flames 5-2 losers at the hands of the Pittsburgh Penguins on Saturday. Unable to carry that momentum from the home opener into the first game on the road trip. Not much to tell you about the team ahead of tonight's matchup. It was an optional morning skate. So any starting goaltending news, any lineup changes will come at warm-up. Can't tell you our Flames coverage starts at 4 o'clock this afternoon with Pat Steinberg. This is a 5 o'clock puck drop once again from Washington Flames and the Capitals. The Capitals will go with goaltender Darcy Kemper in net. Again, any Flames starters, lineups, deep pairings, we'll have to wait until they hit the ice a little bit later on on this Monday. But looking back to that loss in Pittsburgh... Five to your final. Flames give up five in the final period to drop that game to the Penguins. Good news, Matt Coronado. Of course, his first NHL goal comes in just his third NHL game. Flames will look to continue some of that momentum tonight against an interesting Washington team. Always fun when you go from Syndicate in Pittsburgh to uh, Ovi and Company in Washington. And to help us take a peek at that Washington Capitals team that the Flames will face tonight. Uh, joining us for our look at the opposition. Very happy to welcome in down the Atlas Beach and Sports Bar guest hotline this afternoon, Tom Galetti from NHL.com joins us. Tom, thanks for the time, sir. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Thanks for uh, for joining us this afternoon. Appreciate it. I'm curious, Tom, uh, new head coach in Washington, but a lot of similar faces on the ice. What's uh, the feel like early on in the Spencer Carberry era? Well, you know, in through training camp, I thought, you know, the end preseason, I thought there was some really positive signs as far as uh, – you know, Spencer Carberry has talked about playing with pace. I think that's a lot of teams, things teams, a lot of teams talk about, and they seem to be doing a pretty good job with that offensively. They were still trying to figure out some of their defensive issues as far as uh, you know giving up too many on-man rushes and stuff. And then 
And then on the, on their first game on on Friday against Pittsburgh, they just kind of you know it wasn't it wasn't they, they they were very much on the perimeter. They didn't produce the kind of offense that they that they wanted. I think they only had 19 shots on goal. A bunch of shots were blocked, but they still weren't out a lot of attempts at the net and spend a lot of time on the outside in the offensive zone. Um, so that's something they're going to have to try. They're going to try to do better. I think tonight against Flames, as far as getting to the net, getting pucks to the net, getting into those areas in the middle instead of playing on the outside. What uh, what are the main differences you've noticed in a, a Spencer Carberry system, say, compared to what Peter Laviolette was running in Washington in the last few years? I, I think, I mean, I don't know if there's a major differences. I think that everyone plays very similar, but um, it's as far as trying to get, move the puck as quickly as possible, um, try to get out of your zone and move, like with, I got to mention, with pace and, you know, they're, they're an older team and so skating-wise, they're not going to be the fastest team, but they feel like if they move the puck faster, that can maybe, you know, can counteract some of their lack of speed just for, for the younger league. They've tried, they brought in a, they have a few more younger players that are playing this year, you know, Conor McMichael is one of them, you uh, going to have a Alexi protest, I think, I believe in there tonight after he wasn't in the other day, um, so, so there's some some are younger legs, but it's basically like you said, it's a similar team. Um, so and they just I guess, I guess it's really trying to be a little more aggressive and getting out of their end and, and and pressure in the offensive zone. But it, like there's there's not that much different when you look at it. Uh, Tom, one of the big things for Flames fans heading into this one is obviously looking at the Washington Flames connection that's kind of existed the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Last year it started uh, with Sonny Milano, who was with Calgary during a PTO, but has found success in Washington and now of course Matt Phillips who impressed during training camp and has earned a a spot to start the season with the the Washington Capitals uh for Flames fans from afar that have watched Phillips here the last couple of years and never really saw him get an NHL chance what uh what impressed him uh, upon the coaching staff and what did Phillips do uh, in your mind to earn a spot up with the big club I think he just played his game you know like he got an opportunity in the preseason um Pretty early, maybe a second game. He played with Strom in uh, in Milano, and they had a pretty good game together. And then they said, "Oh, that looked pretty good. Let's try that again." And and they looked like they had some good chemistry. And he scored a goal. He scored a winning overtime goal in Boston. He scored another goal before that in Detroit, I believe. So he had some pretty nice goals, and you know, they, they seemed to have some chemistry there with those guys. And so they've stuck with that to begin the season. I think he's going to be playing with them again tonight. Um, so uh, he just. Play like it's just use use his skill. I mean, he's not the biggest guy, and but he he plays hard, and he's going to have to keep doing that. And uh, I don't think he's proven himself yet, just because he made the team uh, out of camp. But he earned his way there. You know, like he he definitely it wasn't like he was given the spot. You know, you know that, that he he earned his way onto the team, and 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 now he's going to have to keep you know going to have to start to produce and and do do the things that he's supposed. You know, he's a guy who's a goal scorer point producer in the NHL and that's he's not going to be a guy who's going to be a grinder on your fourth line so he's given a chance and playing in your top nine he's going to have to produce in those, those spots and that's you know that's a challenge ahead from now that there's nothing settled with him you know one game of the season uh probably went a long week too having two guys that know him pretty well on that uh, coaching staff with Spencer Carberry Mitch Love who was there with them in the American Hockey League and then Kirk Muller obviously the Flames former assistant coach what roles have they taken on with the Capitals and what's your impression been of two guys that know the Flames pretty well now in Washington. Yeah, like you mentioned, Mitch Love had, you know, obviously Phillips in the AHL. Mitch is running the defense, so it's weird. He's not really coaching uh, Matt, per se, because he's, run, he's running the defense. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so there's, there's some different things there, and, and um, they're trying to maybe, you know, piece together the, their defense uh, as far as the six they've been using because they lost Joel Edmondson to a broken hand, right? Basically, the like, second or third day of camp, he broke it in a, in a scrimmage. So 
um, giving some other guys and trying to fit together pieces, uh, fit their pairings together there. So that's a challenge there for, for Mitch. And then, and then, you know, uh, for, for Kirk, he's, he's the, he's the, you know, power play guy. He's his main you know, responsibility. And he has some pretty good weapons to work with, but that was last year that kind of got a little stagnant. Um, so I think they're really hoping, you know, with, with what Spencer Carberry did with when he was the, PR, uh, power play coach basically in Toronto and, and, and bringing Kirk t- together, trying to come up with some new looks and some more movement and things that, so they're not as predictable as, you know, as well as it's worked, you know, you can't rely on passing the puck to Alex Ovechkin in the left circle every time. Everyone knows that's where it's going. So you have to try to mix things up so that that is open sometimes and, and, and get out and, and get other looks from other parts of the guys. Uh, it's Calgary Flames game day. We're taking a look at the opposition with Tom Galetti from NHL.com. Uh, the Washington Capitals in focus for us today. Tom, uh, just over 11 minutes of ice time in game one for Anthony Mantha, but he'll find himself as a healthy scratch tonight for Spencer Carberry. It feels like this has been an up-and-down fit for Mantha during his time in Washington. Yeah, it hasn't really worked out. I mean, you know, the, the trade with him in Detroit uh, started really strong in that first year uh was that 2021 and then really hasn't gotten any consistency in this game, which I think was part of his issue in Detroit as well, but it's just been a little more pronounced here. And, um, you know, he came into camp in really good shape, uh, had like maybe one really good preseason game where he created some chances in, in Boston, but didn't get the puck to go in. And, and he really needs, if there's a guy who needs the puck to go in, in the net front to help his confidence or just get him on the right role, it's him. But they played him in the fourth line last game, but also he got second power play unit time. I don't know how much ice time they got. Maybe they got a good chunk of the set of one of the power plays. But, like, it's just for him, he's a guy, as you know, Spencer Carberry said this morning, he's a guy that is a scorer. He's not going to be a not going to be a good defense. You know, he's not your guy you're going to send out there to check the other team or whatever. He, you know, he's a big guy, but he's not the guy who's going to play in your fourth line and wear you down physically. You know, that's where he was the other day. But they need him, you know, if he's going to play, they need him to score. So I think they're trying to get him in a position where where he could, you know, play and have play a good role offensively. But right now, there were players ahead of him that played better during camp. One of them, was, one of them is, is Matthew Phillips, actually. So um, he, right now, it looks like, you know, he'll be on the outside looking in tonight. Uh, and uh, and he'll have to wait for his next chance. Uh, a couple of players I wanted to ask you about individually. This one limited to just 30, 33 games last season. We know the kind of difference maker he can be when he's healthy and in the lineup. What has it been like uh, so far for the Capitals having Tom Wilson back and ready to go? Yeah, Tom. Tom has looked. He looked good in preseason. Um, you know, I don't know anybody who looked good in the game on on Friday. They had some guys who were better than others, but uh, he you know he really started coming on at the end of last season. You know, he had the ACL surgery basically the season before, at the end of the season before. And that injury takes some time. Even when you come back and you're playing, you're not quite right. You'll see that in a lot of players. And he really started coming on. I feel felt like the rest of the team wasn't playing that well at the end of last season. But he played pretty well. And I, I feel like he's going to have a – he looked like he's right there. He's going to have a good season. I know he came in in tremendous shape, having the full, full off summer, summer to train and, and everything like that. And he looks like his old self. So, I, I, I you know, he might be – he's hoping to pick up where he was a couple of years ago where he would really – I think it was, you know, headed towards 30 goals or whatever, or close to that. And uh, maybe and that would be a big thing for the Capitals if he's able to play like that again. And uh, tell me a bit about uh, uh, Rasmus Sandin in Washington. Looks like a, a nice pickup that was maybe overlooked last year because obviously it's a tough end of the season, but they make the trade with the Toronto Maple Leafs. And now, at least early on, uh, this young Swedish defenseman is playing on a, uh, a deep pairing with top defenseman John Carlson. 
Yeah, they, they put him into a situation where he's playing with a guy who's another offensive-minded guy. I think they feel like they can maybe get some off. You know, they're going to have to read off each other as far as you know who can go and who, who has to stay back. But two two offensive guys together. You know, Rasmus had definitely showed some offensive potential after the trade last season. I think he still needs to kind of learn the defensive part in their end. And they're trying to find, you know, I think putting him with a veteran guy like, like Carlson could help him in that way. But, you know, that, that's, that's the thing. He's, I think he's still kind of a little bit of a work in progress. Definitely you could see the offensive skill in him. And they've been also using him on the second power play unit. Um, you can see that really good at joining the play and reading plays offensively. It's taking care of his own end. He's a smaller guy, but it's really working on him positioning reading plays off the rush and things like that. That's something that he's going to have to improve on. And I guess, you know, Mitch Love, that's part of his job is trying to get him in, you know, more refined as a defensive in his own end. And uh, last but certainly not least, the chase for Alex Ovechkin continues. And at least early on, probably one of the more veteran lines across the NHL, Tom, that sees him paired with his longtime center, Nick Backstrom, and uh, TJ Oshie as a pairing that they know pretty well in Washington. Yeah, it's in, you know that's you know three guys who played together a lot you know like 2016, 2017, and yeah. then kind of as they've gotten older, they haven't played as much together. And you know you know I mean that's part of the issue as far as you know like when guys get older, you need to put some fresher, younger legs, add some speed to the line. And I think you know their hope there is that their old chemistry can help help them produce some offense from that line. And you know, obviously there was you know Nicholas Backstrom you know coming back last year, he had the hip resurfacing surgery and came back in January and wasn't quite all the way back yet. And I think he, this past summer, he really had a good, good training and feels much better. And you can see it in the skating, just a question of whether those guys, you know, whether they can play with their, at their speed against, you know, other teams. I'll be interested. It's something that's interesting to watch a little surprised. They put those guys together, um, but obviously there's chemistry there and, and, off it, and those guys know how to read off each other. So I think playing within the way that Spencer Carberry wants them to play, the hope is that they they can, they're, they can make up for, you know, with positioning and things like that, but maybe they might lack and they don't might have the same speed as they had five years ago. Tom, great stuff as always, sir. Appreciate the time on a game day. Uh, enjoy the game tonight. We'll chat with you again sometime soon, eh? All right. Thanks for having me on. Thank you very much. Tom Galetti joining us on the Atlas Beach and Sports Bar guest hotline for a look at the opposition. It's the Washington Capitals and the Calgary Flames from Washington tonight. Again, 4 o'clock Flames warm up with Pat Steinberg. 5 o'clock, Derek Wills and Megan Mickelson on the call right here on your home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. It was an optional morning skate for the Calgary Flames, so lines and deep pairings starting goaltending up in the air for tonight's game. But we did hear from head coach Ryan Huska, his team coming off a 5-2 loss at the hands of the Pittsburgh Penguins, looking to bounce back tonight against the Capitals. Here's the head coach on a game day. Well, maybe just uh, kind of what the what's the approach been with the group here, uh, going over some of the things over the last two days uh, that you've been talking about, um, both with us and I'm sure with them. Yeah, I think I think for us, it's you build off the good things that they've done in the in the prior two games, and then try to make it a little bit more consistent as we go. So it's a little bit of embracing the hard parts of the game. That'll be a bit of a focus for us tonight. Well, and I'd imagine you know when you look back on that Pittsburgh game, it's easy to focus in on the early part of the third. But, yeah. but if you could get yourself back into a position uh, that you were through forty minutes, yeah. uh, you'd take that ten times out of ten. Five on five in particular. Like I thought, we did a pretty good job five on five of limiting limiting zone time for them and limiting their chances. Third period got away from us, and that's something that we have to we have to fix and and be better for if we find ourselves in that same situation here again tonight but um as always when you're on the road in tough buildings like this you want to make sure you have a good start 
I know you had some changes to your forward lines. I wanted to ask you about. I didn't think. I don't think I got a chance to ask you after the game, but uh, your fourth line and uh, what you got. Uh, you know, I thought kind of mm-hmm. generated a few when you were said as five on five uh, yep. before the penalty started in that first. Uh, what did you get from from that line? Uh, a lot. I think that line, when you look at it, was probably our most consistent. And you could almost say our best line as a, a threesome. So. Um, I, I think the, the size of that line, they can all skate. Um, they have an idea of what their identity is right now, and if we can continue them going in that direction, that's a great thing for us. You were talking about the mental mistakes in the third period the other night, and not that you want that to happen, but generally from a league perspective, is that fairly common to see maybe an increase of that, especially early in the season? Uh, it happens. I mean, you look at some of the scores around the league. Like There are some higher scores to start with, and that's that's due to some mistakes where people are trying to figure things out for sure. But I think for our team, it's making sure that we're learning that we have to play a certain uh, pace of the game for a full 60 minutes, and, and that's something that we have to do early on so we want to be the team that cranks it up not the team that when it gets cranked up we have to respond so we want to make sure we're ready for pace for a full 60 minutes so to your point there you mentioned this in the preseason i believe too where especially with a lot of the young guys playing when that pace ramps up and it gets hard it gets hard that's still something even with a veteran group that you do have to reinforce early in the season? For sure. And eventually um, you want them to take it on on their own. Um, but for, for now, that's a coach's responsibility to make sure they understand how the game's going to be and how hard it's going to be. And uh, then from there, you want to trust your players and make sure they, um, they get out there and they do the job we need them to do. And then I assume embracing that too, because you're going up against good players on the other side. You want your guys to enjoy that moment and you know hopefully try to outperform in that case. Absolutely, very similar to what we saw the other night. I mean, these guys have won recently, so they have a lot of guys that understand the hard part of the game, and that's where it goes back to my first comment. Is our guys have to embrace that part of it for sure. That is Flames head coach Ryan Huska on a game day in Washington, getting set for his team to take on the Washington Capitals. One more flame to hear from Nazem Kadri. Held scoreless in the Flames' first two games of the season. They'll need him to show up in a big game against the Caps tonight. Here's what Nazem Kadri had to say on a game day in Washington. Let's just start with, uh, obviously, in the last game, we were talking about one nothing going mm-hmm. into the third. You're going to try to take that 10 times out of 10. Um, you know, what, what, what are you kind of focusing on after you know, two games? What stands out about your group right now? Um, I think we've been relatively resilient. I mean, uh, you know, 50 good minutes in Pittsburgh, and probably should have had a better outcome, but, you know, that just goes to show you you got to stay with it, for, uh, especially, you know, on the road, uh, play a complete game. So, you know, I've liked their speed. I've liked their... Uh, you know our execution, but uh, you know we, we still got stuff to work on. Is that uh, re- you know you've been around a long time? Is that relatively common early on in terms of just you know, a few different mistakes here, maybe yep. early in the season that you're not going to see necessarily as the year goes on? Of course, I mean uh, I think you know m- mid-season is is kind of uh, kind of a real thing. So uh, you know tendencies early on in the season is you know to be a little open and sloppy, and I think uh, you know that's natural. So we'll uh, we'll tighten it up, we'll clean it up, and uh, you know move forward. Uh, five on five. I mean, Husk was just talking about when you know five on five. It, it, obviously, there's going to be some penalties and special teams, but mm-hmm. but liking a lot of what you guys have done is that fair? Is that kind of what you're seeing too? Five on five. Right? I think so. Yeah, yeah. I think we got a uh, you know a lot of zone time, a lot of opportunities. Um, I think we could shoot the puck a little more, and and you know hopefully we'll uh, you know create some opportunities on you know those rebounds, tips, things like that. So uh, you know I think we got to. Uh, get to the front of the net a little bit more, but you know, puck possession has been good. Yeah. What about uh, the challenge here tonight? Obviously, when you look at this roster, you've, mm-hmm. you see those guys you used to see it over the last, you know, 
what, probably 19 years, 18, 19 years. Uh, what's the challenge for your group against this, this, this group? Yeah, great players. Not feed their transition. Um, you know, of course, they got some skilled players. I like to play off the rush and stay out of the box. They got a great power play. So, uh, you know, I think it's pretty straightforward. You know, always in a road building, first five, ten minutes are going to be crucial, and we, we need a good start. Last one for you, and that's just uh, with your line. Um, you know, what did you see, feel uh, last game with, uh, with mm-hmm. Dubes and, uh, and Rosie there? Uh, yeah, probably should have had a couple. I mean, yeah. I think we, uh, you know, we, we generated a lot of good chances, and a couple could have easily ended up in the back of the net. So, you know, just got to push a little bit harder to, to find one. And you know, I think, uh, you know, we will we'll be able to find a way to contribute. Let the floodgates open up a little bit. Get one. Exactly. All you need is an ugly one, and then uh, the rest is history. There you go. Nasir Kadri on a game day again. He is scoreless in two games to open up the season for the Calgary Flames. Assuming he might be on the same line that uh, Brendan Parker asked him about with Dylan Dubé and Adam Ruzicka, but it was an optional morning skate, so you have to wait till the Flames hit the ice for warm-up, probably around 4.30 this afternoon. That'll be just when Pat is on the air, of course, with your Flames pregame, so make sure you're tuning to that for the latest on the Flames' lines, deep pairings, and starting goaltenders heading into tonight's matchup with the Washington Capitals. Again, 5 o'clock puck drop here at live here on Sportsman at 960 with Derek Wills and Megan Mickelson on the call. We're going to switch our attention away from hockey just for a quick moment on the other side. It's our Monday regular chat checking in on the NFL with our pal Emily Sadler from Sportsnet.ca. No more undefeated teams in the NFL. The Sunday nighter was a bit of a stinker for the Buffalo Bills, but they picked up a win, and we'll look ahead to the Monday night matchup. It's the Chargers and the Cowboys talking some NFL football when Sportsnet Today returns here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Week six finishes up in the NFL tonight. It's a battle between the LA Chargers and the Dallas Cowboys. Week six, full of interesting storylines on Sunday. Injuries, upsets, lots to dive into, and very happy to do so as we head down the Atlas Pigeon Sports Bar guest hotline. Welcome in our Monday regular. We didn't get a chat to last week because of Thanksgiving, but still very happy to chat with Emily Sadler from SportsLint.ca. Emily, hope you had a good Thanksgiving. How are you? I did, thanks. Yeah, I'm good. It's great to be back. It is good to be back. Looking forward to these Monday chats more and more. And uh, Unfortunately, we've got to start off on a bit of a down note because uh, Sunday was not great for uh, for a lot of people. Massive injuries for uh, a lot of teams. The 49ers had some serious injuries. Uh, we're talking about Justin Fields dislocating a thumb. That was kind of the big storyline coming out of Sunday was all these major injuries to key guys. Yeah, week six really was defined by upsets, um, defense, and yeah, as you said, some injuries that I think will make for a really busy week coming up as we kind of await updates. Um, As you just touched on, the Justin Fields thumb injury is definitely, that one is alarm bells and, you know, kind of in a couple of different ways. When you look at it, I mean, the Bears are not going too far. They're probably kind of more anticipating, well, it looks like we have the number one and number two overall draft picks if Mm -hmm. they continue on this trajectory. But it's more for Justin Fields, like as an individual dealing with an injury like this, he's been playing really great. And so it's tough to see him dealing with this. It'll be interesting to see, you know, how serious the thumb injury is, how it affects his game and because you kind of have the sense that at this point he's potentially almost like auditioning for his next gig, right? And so you just want to see him thrive as an individual while while the Bears maybe are going in a different direction. So that one for sure, as you mentioned, the 49ers, 
I think just any football fan in general is hoping that Christian McCaffrey is feeling okay. He's just been so dynamic, so fun to watch. You never like seeing stars um, go down with injuries. So it's been a tough season overall for some big name injuries. So here's hoping that maybe this week um, we can get some more uh, more health to some of these players. <laughs> yeah, certainly. And the quarterback position is always such a tough one because, as we talk about so often, I don't know that there's ever 32 starting quarterbacks playing in the league at any one time. And when you start to see a week where, okay, Fields got hurt, Trevor Lawrence got hurt, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt. They were checking out Josh Allen's shoulder after the game against Buffalo. A lot of these teams can't survive without a starting quarterback because there's such a drop from one to two in any team's organization, uh, Emily. Yeah, you're so right. And I think it's it's also kind of a lesson in, like, if you were to quiz the average football fan or even just the average football writer, like, <laughs> okay, who is who is this team's backup quarterback? And you'd have to Google it because it really, like, as you said, there's such a drop-off. Um, yeah, I think it looks like, luckily, uh, Trevor Lawrence and Josh Allen maybe avoided some potentially serious injuries there, but... Yeah, when you see someone like Jimmy Garoppolo go down, someone who has dealt with his fair share of injuries, more than his fair share of injuries, that one looks like it could be potentially a long-term one with his back. Um, Another one that it's almost weird that this almost flies under the radar is Anthony Richardson, right? The Colts rookie quarterback, maybe dealing with a... Uh, shoulder surgery and you know that could end his rookie season and we've only gotten to see him just a handful of times and so um, yeah football can be really cruel (laughs) yeah it can be and it's funny you're mentioning that because I was watching the Bears game when Justin Fields went down and would not have guessed uh, that Tyson uh, Tyson Bajan was his backup I did not know that they had an undrafted free agent (laughs) backup you could have told me it was still Andy Dalton and I might have believed that it's been I I don't ever pay attention to the backups like mm -hmm, I totally agree yeah there's there's definitely like a handful of of teams that I'm like wait who (laughs) who am I watching right now (laughs) there's one fields going off and all of a sudden I'm going who in the world is coming into the game right now I I don't have the slightest clue and sure enough uh that's what happened again but uh mentioned there with the 49ers tough for for Brock Purdy, and then they walked in against a pretty good Cleveland team. But I don't know. It's hard when you lose Debo Samuel. You lose Christian McCaffrey. Uh, no more 5-0 and teams. No more undefeated teams in the NFL right now. Eagles lost to the Jets. Which one was more surprising to you, Emily? Uh, 49ers losing to the Browns or the Eagles dropping one against the Jets? Okay, that's a good question. So I think... Okay, so it's really easy for me to go and and look at this Browns 49ers game and, you know, do the classic case of hindsight 2020. And, you know, maybe it actually wasn't such an upset because when you look at the Browns defense, their defense is incredible. I think maybe we've discounted some of the wins, sort of chalking it up to, well, the other team didn't play so great. But we're kind of learning that, no, no, this this defense is, is really, really good. I think obviously the stunner, with that one is the fact that, you know, there's no Deshaun Watson. Um, there's no Nick Chubb. We're, we're talking about 49ers injuries, but going into this one, really the Browns were, were much more the banged up team there. But I have to say, I, I was personally more surprised by the Jets beating the Eagles. And I think, you know, maybe you can also say about that one, well, maybe the Eagles were kind of ripe for a defeat. They haven't really looked like themselves 
you know, they maybe haven't um, played as well as their 5-0 and record was kind of indicating. But I think on offense, I mean, you're never going to question the strength of their offensive line or really their defense or kind of they're, they're such a complete team. But offensively, they've definitely looked still kind of disjointed. So, um, you know, I, I think I don't, to me, I don't think it, it spells any trouble in Philly, but for sure, when you kind of look at their upcoming schedule, like maybe it's kind of the wake up call that they need or, or just sort of a, a sign that, okay, not, not all is, is kind of running like the well-oiled machine we, we saw last year, but also got to give props to the Jets defense. Um, I've been definitely a proponent of, of that, uh, that core there. And I think we kind of saw that on full display. They played really, really well. They've, they're dealing with some injuries of their own. And I think the way that they're kind of taking the pressure off of Zach Wilson, these last couple games, um, definitely, you know, they're going into the bye three and three and I feel like they're relevant again now. So it's kind of great to see actually. Yeah. It was really impressive. A Jets defense feels like if they can just, get enough of a break with Zach Wilson and then the offense not going free and out quite so often and putting some points on the board that they will be rested enough because it felt like the beginning of the the Zach Wilson taking over for Aaron Rodgers thing. The defense just didn't have any time to rest. He They were constantly mm-hmm. going three and out, and they were out there so much. I don't really care how talented your defense is. They're out there for the majority of the game. They're going to get gassed and eventually going to have to give up some big plays. So I, I'm with you. I think yeah. there's a lot of talent in New York, and – uh, finally starting to show it three and three for what how the season started actually not bad at all for that team no not at all I I kind of was laughing did you see Robert Sala's comments after the game he said we've faced a gauntlet of quarterbacks and we've embarrassed all of them and I don't know <laughs> if that's exactly true but also like you know what I like the spirit I like the enthusiasm yeah. I don't know that they've embarrassed all of them but they've certainly been a really strong defense and I have to believe you know, a core that's going to just get better and better as we see every year, right? With, with various units that maybe have those stumbling blocks out of the, uh, out of the gates and then kind of, kind of, okay, this is our reality now. No Aaron Rodgers. We've got Zach Wilson. We can make do. Um, yeah, I, I think they're, they are kind of an easy team to root for in that sense that, you know, they went from being the top dog to really, once again, an underdog. <laughs> yeah, and uh, of course it caught everyone's attention that uh, Aaron Rodgers just so happened to be throwing some passes pregame, and you just never yeah. know with athletes when it comes you to... never know. No, I don't think that story's uh, finished writing itself either. So that leaves us now, Emily, with three teams in the NFC at 5-1, and one, the Eagles, the 49ers, and the Detroit Lions, who picked up a big win over the Buccaneers on Sunday. Do you see the Detroit Lions in the same class as Philly and San Fran at that 5-1 and one record, or are you still wanting to wait and see how they do against some better opponents before you put them in that same category? Yeah, you know, it's, it's definitely a new look for them, but it's a look I'm into. Like, I'm kind of ready to say, you know what? Yeah, like, they're really complete. Jared Goff, he's been playing really, really well. He ranks fifth in total passing yards. He's He's, go- he's taking those big shots down the field. He's third in yards per attempt this year. Um, he, you know, he's only thrown three picks, and, and now the defense is really playing their part too. And it's really it's surprising to say, like, they are one of the more consistent teams between this year and last. Um, they've now gone 15 straight regular season games, scoring at least 20 points. 
and they're so they're they're producing um consistently and i think they do belong like when you look at just how how they are built you know that's really strong o-line the really strong defensive line and you kind of look at how say a team like the eagles are built and i know that's maybe a stretch um to compare them to a team that went to the Super Bowl last year, but they almost feel like they're kind of following that same way of building. And and I'm now I'm referencing all the all the coaching post game stuff, but <laughs> I you know I'm I'm watching Dan Campbell's post game address to his players, and I'm like that just they look like they're having a blast. Yeah. And I know that you can point to all of the stats, and and those are all really positive for the Lions, but also they just look like they are having a lot of fun. They look like they're just really a cohesive unit. And like, if I was a football player in another life, I would totally want to play for Dan Campbell. He just is someone who like, he can rally, he can rally a team and we're kind of seeing that. And so they're definitely one of those teams that I'm really looking forward to watching more of. Yeah, I've really liked it. The thing for me is the the injuries that they've had haven't really slowed them down. Gibbs hasn't mm-hmm. hasn't been this star running back that we thought he would be. They've lost Amon Ross St. Brown for a bit, but he came back and had a huge game. They you're right. They're just a very consistent group overall right now. They feel like they know what works for them and they're comfortable playing that way. And I don't know, there's something about Jared Goff just kind of as that forgotten guy traded away in the totally. Matt Stafford trade that you know, kind of, I would like to see him prove everybody wrong in LA and go to Detroit and have some success because I, I can't remember who I was talking to about this the other day, but I was just saying, you know, Jared Goff, we feel like he was a, a cast off in, in LA and all this, but he's actually proven to be a pretty good quarterback. You had some of those great numbers. He's having a, a really good season. He's kind of leading the charge in Detroit. Yeah, he really is. And, and you're right. Like he's just someone who, you know, he, he, he kind of had this, he's had such a weird career trajectory because he almost went from, in my opinion, anyways, like kind of overrated in LA to very underrated in Detroit. Um, And as soon as you have, you know, he's sort of that perfect match for such a blue collar team to have somebody who like was that cast off and, and the narrative last year, or was it two years ago? Now I'm like, I don't even know. (laughs) But you know, he he had that narrative around him of like, you know what, he's just sort of a placeholder and he's not. He's yeah. he's the franchise guy and he's more than proved that. And when you look at also, you know, the the Lions, who they have coming up, like they've actually got a pretty good situation here as I'm looking at it. Obviously, so the the Ravens next week, that's a tough matchup. Yep. Um then you've got the Raiders, the Chargers, the Bears the Packers, the Saints, like those are all kind of interesting and in my opinion, quite winnable games for the Lions. And so who knows, maybe, yeah, maybe in December we could be talking about, um, you know, the Lions playoff team, (laughs) um, how far we think they could go. (laughs) Yeah, I think that'd be a great story. I'm curious to see how long it lasts because right now they're up there with two Mm -hmm. pretty good teams in in San Francisco and, and Philly. Uh, and we're going to talk about the Sunday nighter. We've talked about this a lot on our hits, and I'm becoming more and more confused as to what Buffalo Bills team this actually is because they were one of the more favored teams coming into the week, expected to blow out the Giants uh, in this game because New York, let's be frank, hasn't been very good this year. Tyrod Taylor, the journeyman quarterback, coming in, didn't have high expectations, and 
if it wasn't for a, a botched call at the end of the first half between Tyrod Taylor and what his coach wanted him to do, I feel like we could be talking about the Bills losing this game last night. Totally. It's it's alarming. <laughs> and I I was yeah, talking to friends on Saturday there, you know, we're just talking about, okay, so who's the Sunday nighter? And I was like, honestly, I don't even know if that's like a barely watchable game because like the Bills are so good and the Giants defense is so bad and then yeah. here they go. The score is fourteen to nine and it was, you know, definitely not the game that anyone was anticipating. Um and you're right, like when the the Giants are literally one yard away basically from maybe probably winning this game. Um, Josh Allen really said it best when he said like, that was an ugly win. That was hopefully their ugliest win of the season, but who knows with this team, it's really been up and down. Um, And I don't know about you, but like this, so it, you know, we're, we're six weeks in the bills look exhausted. Don't they? Yeah, they kind of do. And, and they've, you know, they've already, of course, like been through so many injuries themselves, especially on defense. And, you know, that's a heartbreaker because that defense is so talented. It's that you want to see, you want to see them at full health, just see what that unit can do. But it it feels like a, we're already, you know, so repetitive with sort of the up and down. We don't really know what to expect from the bills. We sort of keep declaring them they're back when they have a really good game. And then a game like this, we're questioning, um, kind of who is this team, but they look, yeah, they just, they look tired. Um, their bye week is still pretty far away. Um, I, one that you kind of wish they maybe like have this week off, just, you know, okay, everybody just regroup. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, the fact this, you know, this Giants defense is not good, but they played really strong. I mean, they shot out the bills through three, um, quarters in this one. That was just like, that was a confusing one. And I, I I feel like I know recency bias plays in here, but I feel like we've had so many of those kinds of matchups, like not just talking about the Bills, just this season in general. There's been so many matchups that's like, nope, I cannot explain that. I don't know how that yeah. happened. Yeah, <laughs> like parody, no, you're not wrong. I don't know if it's parody, if it's just a bunch of um, a blooper reel. I, I'm not <laughs> sure, but there's been so many of those kinds of matchups that's like, yeah, I did not see that one coming, and this is definitely one of those. Yeah, it keeps the NFL pretty uh, unpredictable at the best of times because you think you've got it all figured out, and uh, as soon as they feel like you you get into that feeling, it all changes, and you uh, yes. you look silly the next week. So we'll see what what next result has us feeling like that. We've got one more game to go this week. Uh, it's my beloved Chargers taking on the Dallas Cowboys, two very talented teams that never seem to be able to get out of their own way. How do you feel about a Monday night? I feel like we can see some points on the board tonight. At least it might be an exciting one from SoFi. Yeah, I sure hope so. Are you, now, I need to ask you, are we calling this the Kellen Moore Bowl? I think or so. This is the Kellen Moore revenge game for sure. <laughs> He's going to I like it. I like yeah, it. he's going to be Justin Herbert's going to throw it at least 50 times and he's going to use at least all of his insider knowledge to uh, to try to help his new squad. Love this. Let's go. Yeah, I'm I mean, I'm looking forward to this one. Austin Eckler's back. Hopefully he's, you know, fully fully healthy. Not just saying that for fantasy implications, but <laughs> Um, you know, he, he's also, I think to me, just one of those, like, he's such an easy to root for player. Um, happy to see him back in there. Yeah. And, and, you know, the Cowboys, as their season has gone so far, like they're due for this bounce back, right. Last week coming off of, um, 
not a great showing against the 49ers mm-hmm. and then to have them in prime time again, it, you know, we'll probably follow the pattern. I'm, I'm sort of expecting them to bounce back in a big way. But then again, the Chargers coming off a week of rest, they had, I think they had back-to-back wins before that. So maybe they have some momentum. Um, Justin Herbert, his finger on his non-throwing hand, we're about to find out how that could affect him. I'm not sure. Apparently he's wearing a glove. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we will we will see. But I'm I'm hoping that we can get, you know, maybe a maybe some more points after last night's game. Yeah, <laughs> would I be nice. That would more be, offense. That'd be a, a nice thing to see a couple of touchdowns. I wouldn't be asking yeah. too much. Does it? Am I wrong feeling that these are two really similar teams? Like they've got really great players on both sides, but until they actually go out and win a big game in the playoffs that I'm I'm just not really sold on either one of them as contenders. Do you feel the same way? Yeah, I think that's a great point. Like we're kind of waiting, I think, and, and especially for the Chargers, just kind of waiting to like have them make a statement. We've, and yeah, like I think we, we sort of, we thought that we got that with the Cowboys, but then you sort of look at, you know, as we learn more about each team this season, you realize, okay, well, their giant wins have come against the Giants, Jets, and Patriots, right? Yeah. And so, like, that's <laughs> maybe maybe the Jets are okay, but, you know, other than that, that's not too impressive. So, for sure, just kind of waiting to see, like, okay, who – like, who are these teams? Um, can we rely on them? As you mentioned, like, off the top on this topic, both teams really do have that tendency to just get in their own way. So, and, and both teams are so frustrating in that sense that, like, these are good rosters. These are really good rosters. Yeah. I want to see what this Chargers offense can do. I want to see Justin Herbert um, just, yeah, just thrive with this offense and, um yeah, it, it, they are hard to figure out, and maybe we'll learn a thing or two tonight, I hope. Fingers crossed. Somebody's got to win. Uh, we'll see what happens. It's the Monday Nighters, the Cowboys, and the Chargers. She is Emily Sadler, our Monday regular talking all things NFL. Thank you, as always, Emily. Appreciate it. Uh, enjoy tonight's Thank game you. and enjoy the week. We'll talk with you next week, hey? Sounds great. Enjoy the game. Yeah, Emily Emily Sadler joining us on the Atlas Beach and Sports Bar guest hotline. She's a writer for Sportsnet.ca. You can find her on Twitter, at Emmy Sadler. Uh, her latest thoughts on the NFL week that was up at sportsnet.ca. Again, it ends off with a 6:15 kickoff tonight. Cowboys in L.A. to take on the Chargers from SoFi Stadium. It is a Flames game day, too. Flames and Capitals game two of five of this road trip for the Calgary Flames, which kicked off with a 5-2 loss in the hands of the Pittsburgh Penguins uh, on uh, Monday night. Now, or excuse me, Saturday night. It was Saturday night hockey. We're on to Monday night now. Uh, no uh, lines or deep pairings for the Flames as of yet. It was an optional morning skate, so we'll wait to uh, see what lineup Ryan Huska puts in front of the Washington Capitals. Expect uh, Flames warm-up to begin around 4.30 this afternoon. Uh, Pat Steinberg's got your pregame show starting at 4, so join him live uh, for reaction to who is playing for the Flames tonight. Uh, of course, 5 o'clock, Derek Wills and Megan Mickelson on the call right here on Sportsnet 960, the fans further to the Capitals go. We're expecting Darcy Kemper to get the start in net. Anthony Mantha will be a healthy scratch for the team. Uh, there are lines and deep pairings, courtesy of Bailey Johnson, uh, who covers the Capitals for the Washington Post. They are going to line up like this. Ovechkin, Backstrom, Oshie, McMichael with Kuznetsov and Wilson, two former Flames. I, I guess we'll call Milano a former Flame. Uh, Sonny Milano, Dylan Strom, Matthew Phillips, 
Melenstein, Powd, and Protest uh, on their fourth line. Rasmus Sandin is paired up with John Carlson, uh, Trevor Van Riemsdyk, uh, Alexey Alexiev, Nick Jensen as well, expecting Darcy Kemper in goal for the Washington Capitals. It's game two of five of this road trip for the Calgary Flames. Later this week, stops in Buffalo and Columbus before the road trip wraps up on Sunday afternoon against the Detroit Red Wings. So again, keep it locked. Four o'clock pregames with Steinberg. Five o'clock puck drops with Megan Mickelson and Derek Wills right here all week. And then we'll get it uh, a little bit earlier to you on Sunday as the team wraps up the road trip. We heard from Ryan Husky. We heard from Nazem Kadri. If you missed any of that, check it out on the podcast. Tom Galetti joined us from uh, NHL.com. He covers the Washington Capitals for NHL.com. If you need a look at the opposition, want to know how Matt Phillips earned his spot on the team, uh, what Mitch Love and Kirk Muller are up to with the Capitals, all of that's going to be available on the Hour One podcast. Thanks to Tom and for Emily Sadler joining us on the program today. Really appreciate it. As always, and thank you for listening, whether live or on the podcast. My outstanding producers today have been Cam and Taylor. We'll take a break. We'll come back on the other side. Flames coverage begins next. Flames talk on a game day. That's what's next here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.